Okay, guys, welcome to the podcast. I have a very special guest on today. I have Ivy Hurst. Ivy, go ahead and introduce yourself to the folks. Uh, I am Ivy. <laughs> I live in Springer, Oklahoma. I am originally from Minnesota. Me and my sister, PJ Berger, were both raised up there, and we started with the horses at a very young age, thanks to my parents, and just kind of took off with it. It's in my blood, and it's I don't know who else I'd be without him. <laughs> Have you always rode Western disciplines or were you ever in an English saddle when you were younger? Yeah, my sister and I did it all. Um, We grew up uh, up there. They have like these little weekend little horse shows. And in the mornings they have like Western pleasure classes. And then the afternoons they have like speed classes, which will be barrels and poles and quite a few other random Gymkhana type events that were fun. And I mean, I think I started at three or four and um did all those different things but um I 50 50 growing up I did a lot of western pleasure in the mornings I had this amazing uh pony she was actually a registered quarter pony and she looked just like a beautiful quarter horse and she was a bigger size pony and um, I showed her in the pleasure and I won the state on her multiple times um so I enjoyed both um obviously as I got older the speed took over and uh, but it was fun to have a background in both and, and know how to do both. So, yeah. and there was some English involved, uh, just not as much, but um, I, I have done all of it. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. So tell us a little bit about what's in your barn right now. And I'm sure you got, you take outside horses, right? Yes. Um, it's cut. My numbers are kind of down right now. This virus has got people kind of reluctant to be doing a whole lot. Um, I've got my good horse, uh, top of the rock here. My other, good horse hall of famer is coming back from an injury we're really excited that he should be on the bus this summer to the rodeos um i've got a six-year-old dash to fame of my own that's coming on that could possibly make some rodeo debuts this summer uh, and then i've just got a couple client horses here for some tune-ups um, a younger three-year-old that's getting patterned um uh, i really do enjoy the tune-ups uh for me it's it's really what i like to do the most i'm not i don't consider myself a Faturity trainer, I have trained faturity horses, um, but it's really hard for me to take on a clientele and guarantee them a great faturity year when, you know, May, June, July, and August, I plan on rodeoing, and so they're, we get behind really fast. So most of the time, any horses that I have faturity either belong to myself and I could take them at my own pace or a super, super close friend that was really understanding of what I'm doing. And every now and then I will even take one with me on the road and, and as three-year-old year and haul it and try to get it ready. But, um, it's just hard for me to do both and compete with people that year round get to train their, their fraternity horses and be ready. So it's just, it just doesn't work for my schedule, but, um, and in the end goal, if it is my own personal horse, I am after a rodeo horse. So pushing it along isn't always the right timeline for me. So, yeah. How'd you acquire your good horse that you just that you brought up? Um, a lady by the name of Jackie Brand. I've been friends with her for a long, long time. I've known this horse for a long time. Uh, his name's Top of the Rock, and um, I've I broker quite a few high end barrel horses, and I'm known for that kind of in the area. And she and I have teamed up before in the past and sold some horses. And uh, she had called me and. Um, I don't think I answered the phone or I was gone or busy or something. And she left me a message and said that she was going to sell him. And I was like, wow, like, okay. But again, I wasn't trying to buy him or do anything. I just, you know, she brought him over and um, 
my good horse at the time that Hall of Famer I was talking about had just acquired that injury and he was out and um, I I got on him and uh, he just fit me and uh, I just took a chance and, and bought him and me and Jackie kind of laughed because she tells me now that she had a plan bringing him over here and that she knew that I would fall in love with him and she knew <laughs> I would buy him and she also said if if I didn't she didn't want me to sell him to anybody else. She was going to come get him and keep him herself. But she, she, I was, God had a plan in that deal and it worked out perfectly. And I'm grateful for her. And he's, he's such a cool horse. And, and I'm glad he got to, I hate this sound selfish, but I'm glad he got with me and gets his chance to shine and show the world what he is because he's, he's an incredible horse. And it sounds like an amazing friend right there too. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's been fun to take her on the journey, you know, and she told me when she dropped him off, you know, that, that she she was hindering him she said I know this horse can go do big things and I can't do it you know and she has a job and she just doesn't rodeo like I do and she's he deserves to do this and I hear that yeah. all the time when people drop horses off so you know in the back of your mind you're like yeah right lady you know but she knew what she was talking about and he he's getting to show the world what we all knew he could do so it's really really been fun to take her on the journey with me and um been super been super grateful for the whole thing yeah. Well, on that note, what you said, you know, it's just rodeo is not for everybody. We know it's so hard. Um, like we can imagine going up and down the road like you guys do. Your cover photo is you sitting there with all the a handful of grapes. And it says, what does it say? Um, sit with yeah. Yeah. Sit with winners. The conversation is different. Yeah. Tell us about how it's different at that level that you are from our jackpots and just what is it like in that environment um, with those people doing it for a living? Uh, it's really been neat to see, um, th it is our business. And so it, you know, I've amateur rodeoed, I've college rodeoed, I've done all of it. I've jackpotted. Um, and I don't mean to say it one way or the other, but that's kind of those people's hobbies. They have a nine to five job and they get to, they, they may have the greatest one D barrel horse in the world, but they only run it on Saturdays and Sundays For sure. at, the, at the big races. And so they still win and it's a great story. But when you step on over here to the professional side, it is, 100% our job. It, it, it is your job every day to wake up and figure out how to be better, how to do this, how to, how to win. Um, so as I've grown from my 20 year old self to 40 now, you know, I, I remember being young and naive and, and dabbling in the pro rodeos and kind of writing some of these girls off as snots or snobby because they, you'd get to the rodeo and they would just keep to themselves and they, they just, some of them were friendly, some of them weren't, you know, and I was, I just, I didn't know how to take it. Um, mm -hmm. And so I kind of wrote some people off for a while. And then the more I've gotten into it, the more I understand it. And like some of those girls are now my absolute best friends and I know them, um, but it's their job. So sometimes when they pull into the rodeo, they don't have time maybe to talk to you because they're really focused. They brought a young horse that it's its first rodeo and they really have to plan the whole day out. Um, and so they're, they're in the zone. And a lot of times after you run, people will cut up and have fun and do things. But it took me a while to learn, you know, it, it's so different. Um, and, and the planning that goes involved with it. And, and, and every day you get up, you know, we're in quarantine right now. And this has been very um, eye opening for me. But every day when I get up, I try to figure out how to be ready for my job when they, when we get a job again. So I've been working out, I've been trying to keep my horses ready and it's, 
it's it's what you think about all day every day I'm trying to figure out how to make money again so it's a I meal do... ticket for some yeah. people probably and and even though from the outside to the uh, you know the outside looking in it looks glitzy and you got you know it looks like there's money just rolling around but yeah really it's a meal ticket when you hear some of those behind the scenes stories for some people yeah and it's really neat to hear the stories and and really like I said now that I've gotten to be and rub shoulders with some of these great people everybody is truly nice so I feel stupid that I at one point in my life thought they weren't you know but it's it's a business and you have to respect that time you don't walk into somebody's office in downtown Dallas and just start having a conversation you know they're in the middle of a business you know right. so, um it's it's been kind of neat to see it full circle and really they're all truly very nice and and if if people want to take anything from this you can approach Haley Kinzel or these great girls and they're more than happy to help you if you have a question and everybody's super supportive and we're all in it together and it's really been fun and, and everyone's just so professional and it's it's really really neat to see I've been really surprised by the um, exchanges that I've had just via Facebook messenger asking people if they're interested in coming on and um, people are very willing you can tell so, yeah, I think we're all bored to death, too. <laughs> yeah, so tell us what your coronavirus schedule is. Uh, you said you're working out. What yeah. when you wake up? What are you doing? Um, you know, I've I went through phases through this. I think, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I think when it first happened, we all thought it was going to be a three- to four-week hiatus at, my, at most. So I really upped my game at the very beginning, and I <laughs> – I took that time. I usually am not getting ready to go to the California run. It would be in California right now. And, and so I was pretty ready to begin with. Um, but I just thought, oh, here's an opportunity. And, and you have to look at it that way to, to start running a little further and pushing myself harder. And I really upped my horse's fitness game and I did the whole thing. And then two weeks into that, I started realizing this isn't going to go away real fast. And so I kind of backed off a little bit on my horses and yes, I'm keeping them road, but I'm not pushing them quite as hard as I was because it's just kind of wasted miles on their legs to just keep pushing them. So, um, and then I've had days and weeks where I'm more go-getter than others, but I, I really try to keep myself re ready and, and we don't know, you know, is tomorrow the go day or six months from now, you know, so that, that part I think has been hard for all of us because the not knowing a start time is, is really hard because I mean, you've got to get your horses chiropractic and injected and you can't just go. wake up tomorrow and go um, to the best rodeo, you yeah. know, when you've been sitting for, for a month. So I laugh because, Oh, 10 days ago or so I've been riding obviously every single day and I work out and I do stuff and I went and rode with some friends of mine and we, I took some young horses and I, I made runs. She had really good ground and I made runs and I woke up the next day and my groins were sore and I was like, what the heck? <laughs> but I hadn't squeezed a horse with my legs like that in three or four weeks. And it was just mind blowing to me that how fast that could go away. So I have to keep that in mind. Like I, my good rodeo horse now hasn't made a run in over a month probably. And yes, he gets rode every single day, but he's not running and turning, which is great on his joints. But I also wonder when we do get back to it, he's probably going to experience some of those same things of soreness from sitting from lack of runs. So it's hard because I don't want to run him at the $20 jackpot that they start having, but I've yeah. got to figure out, you know, I can't just enter him at the $10,000 rodeo and hope he's back, <laughs> you know? So it's been hard to guess that stuff. So yeah. Um, Can you shed a little insight? How is the, how are the rodeo producers or the PRCA or whatever, how are they handling this and communicating with you guys? How, how does that come down the pipeline? 
it's Facebook is a, a blessing and a curse sometimes because I think a lot of us are learning about things firsthand on social media before we are getting notified, confirmed, yeah, yeah, confirmed reports. So I think kudos to them. I think they're in this and just as confused as we are. And I was thinking about it yesterday and somebody posted something about they felt bad for girls that this was a rookie year. Would there be a way that they could roll it over to next year? Cause they're basically wasting it away. But I don't think anybody can come up with any kind of answers until we get rolling again, because we might get rolling June 1st and we'll still have four or five months of the season to rodeo hard and things will work out. But what mm-hmm. if we don't get rolling till September 1st and there's only 20 rodeos left or some weird random thing. So I think we won't really truly get answers until we're up and going, if we get up and going. And I'll be honest, after the cancellation of Calgary yesterday, um, I think there's some of us that are a little concerned. I mean, I, I, I've, I have not been concerned about the NFR happening or not happening. But after yesterday, I think I talked to Brittany Posey a little bit about it and Jimmy Smith and a couple other people. And there's a little bit of a lump in our throat when you think about the city of Vegas and yeah. um, trying to get up and going. And, and Lord knows if we're out of quarantine by then, the city of Vegas will have it because it's such a revenue for the city. But um, it's also not in their control. The government has so much, go- you know, so much going on with us right now. But um, and it'll be if they have the NFR, it's going to be a really ex- I think everyone can't wait to turn into round tune into round one on the TV because there's maybe going to be some people there that have never been or never ever even tried to go because it just opportunity knocked and they went with it and um, it could be really truly exciting to watch I think it might be one for the record books honestly yeah it's just so scary to hear to even just hear what you just said and to think about you know rodeo houston and I, mm. I know that was your first qualification i know calgary was that was your first cal- uh, yeah. qualification i've actually been to houston once before oh, to yep, yep i'm sorry about but, that no that's fine it's fine but it's just crazy to that's think that's a cool story in itself too <laughs> it's just crazy to think that that you know those cancellations and i it's hard to get there and then for that to be your you know someone's first year mm-hmm. that and it's really um hindsight 2020 and nobody knew any of this but last fall come like august i've never went to the northwest for those rodeos before and at that point i'd had enough money one to get into every rodeo except for houston and so i knew my horse would excel at houston or i feel like he would um so i made a pact with myself i'd worked too hard and too long through the year to let houston get away from me in those last 30 to 45 days so i loaded up and went to washington and oregon and all those rodeos out there and i was very successful and i had never experienced um you got to be in the top 30 to get into those rodeos. And so I was 30th in the world when I left out and I told somebody, I just need to win $10,000 more and I'll be safe. And uh, boy, was I wrong. Like I fought and fought for that spot. I remember there was a week where I won $7,000 and I was 30th in the world. And the standings came out on Monday. I won $7,000 and I was still 30th in the world. Like there Jana Beam explained it to me. She was like, you're fighting for the second bubble. And I was like, because I told her, I said, I feel like I'm clawing my way to the NFR trying to hold this spot. And she said, it's the second bubble. And she said, it's just as hard to hold that spot as it is a top 15. Because there was about seven of us all with the same mentality. And right. everyone was everyone was winning. And uh, it, was, it was hard. Um, but it was also really fun because I felt like my back was against the wall and I'd worked so hard and I, it was really fun to see my horse just 
he just can't, I put pressure and pressure on it, run after run after run, and he just got better and better and better. And we won, I think I won probably like 20 some thousand in those last 45 days. And I thought it was only going to take 10, you know, but I moved up to 25th, I think 24th or 5th in the world when it was over. So that was nice. And you're fifth right now. How does yeah. that feel? I <laughs> mean, I know it's kind of, you know, and then everything stopped, but still, yep. it's an amazing feat and it's got a feel Yes. And I, I super excited. I had a great October, which I've never really done that before. And so that kind of catapulted me up. I had a great Fort Worth and some couple of success at Denver and was really looking forward to Houston. And, and it's, it's pretty surreal, but it's also like, it's been at such a standstill for so long now. It's just kind of like, like the unknown when it comes. Yeah. 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 So, and it's, frustrating because I do feel like my horse was ready to go and I I don't want to sound selfish or arrogant or any of the above but like I would love to have seen what he could have done right like would we have had one Houston and had 70 80,000 one right now or would we still be at 30 and clawing our way around you know like I would love to have known again the what ifs and I had another mare that I was going to ride um at Austin that should have been a really fun combination there you know we might have had success there and it just it would have been neat because it would have played out into what horses I took to California and I was going to take some, um, younger stuff. I have a friend named Sherry Taggart that has a really nice mare named red vanilla. And I probably would have taken her and left Diddy home for that run and, and got her mare out there and seen what she could have do, done. And it, there's just so many things that could have, um, yeah. but it, I feel like as this has went, you know, you know, the cancellation of Calgary yesterday, I'll be honest, like, kind of saw that coming and I'm upset and I'm sad but it wasn't near as stingy as watching Houston get canceled halfway through it knowing I was supposed to leave the next day and like that one was just took the wind out of your sails and it was the beginning of this saga but like as the cancellations continue to come in I think we're all just like yep <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah so I don't know it'll be but... interesting it's just it's affected every corner of our world it seems like and yeah from rodeo people to people losing their jobs it's just i think we're all ready to come out of it it's gonna some good things are gonna come out of this season of yeah for our country i i really i really believe that for some reason i think we have to to keep ourselves positive yep yeah well what is it looking like once this does lift you you probably don't have a plan i guess because you can't (laughs) Mm -mm. um Fortunately for me, if all goes well, which we know that never happens, but um, (laughs) I have four really nice horses this year. um, And, you know, our rodeo count maximum is 100. Well, that's not probably going to be possible anymore. Um, So having four horses, if there's a rodeo and I can get to it, I'm going to be there, you know, and I can go to three to four rodeos in a day if it was feasibly possible. And I mean, I, I should should have enough horsepower, but the, you know, will I have enough money if this keeps going, you know, so that's, I'm working on doing some clinics over the next month or two and just trying to stockpile back some money. And I've been talking, I'm going to try to stockpile some money to be there. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be exciting. That'd be super exciting. Yeah. We'll have to get that up when you get that um, schedule made. I'll definitely post it everywhere I can. Yeah. But, well, awesome. Tell us some good stuff. Let's get away. I mean, that's, that's the best yeah. thing, man. I feel yes. like my yes. heart breaks for anyone out there who is going through it right now, and especially in the sport that you get your hopes so high. 
that's yeah. just a lot so tell us about your favorite win ivy i'm sure that's a super <laughs> there's probably been so many. Uh, <laughs> the most meaningful there... oh gosh um i don't know reno last year was some kind of amazing um that is my sister i believe won it in 09 maybe so i like to kind of i don't want to say follow her footsteps but we're me and her kind of compete against each other and I'm always like oh yeah you did that watch me you know so like we kind of have that um theory but uh, that that's just a very honorable rodeo to put on your resume and um I ran I don't know if you know how that rodeo works but it runs for over a week and you get one run that morning in a slack and one run that night 12 girls and then the next day a new 12 girls run that morning that night and it just goes on for a week well I ran the very first set the very first day um, and was winning the average and winning the round and doing all this stuff. Well, I had to sweat out a hundred of the best girls in the world, you know, and I held the average all week. And then the likelihood of winning the finals and winning the average after all that pressure, you know, a lot of times you, you don't see that happen. You see somebody kind of spring up from fourth or fifth place and smoke a run and win the rodeo, you know? So, um, it was kind of nice to have a week break. I had left and went to some other rodeos and came back and kind of reset my mind and my horse just loved it there. And he laid down one of the fastest times of the rodeo that night and we won the rodeo and it just, it was so memorable. And the phone calls and the texts, I heard from people that I hadn't heard from in decades and, and it just set me up to know I had the horse to take, you know, to go and, and keep going. And it, it was, it was really fun. It was really fun. But my other most memorable, most random win um, was Sheridan, Wyoming. And everybody kind of knows the story if they know me, but I hall of famer, this is back when he got injured, I was off rodeoing and he came up crippled and a couple days before I randomly bought this Frenchman's guy mare off of Facebook for you know, relatively cheap, whatever. I had her shipped to me and uh, I started riding her for a couple of days and she and I did not really get along very well. And I was struggling and struggling and struggling. Well, Hoff or Hall of Famer, he was still crippled and my vet was actually going to be at the rodeo at Sheridan and I'd been turning out of some stuff and I thought, man, I'm just going to drive up there to Sheridan, see my vet, figure out what's going on and then I'm going to go home, you know? And I thought, well, crap, I'm here at the rodeo. I have to pay my entry fees anyways. Like, let's just run this horse and see what happens. And I got there early and worked her and tuned her how I would wanted her to work. And she listened and I won the rodeo for over 5,000. I'll never forget that day because we get nervous before our runs a lot. But like, that was a whole different level of nerves because I just didn't want to make a fool out of myself because she was very capable of doing that <laughs> humbling um, you yes and so I was so nervous and several other people I think um Jana Bean offered me a horse after I'd given my shot of Lasix and stuff uh Jana's like oh you could have rode Frosty and I was like oh my god I love that horse like why would I not ride that horse but I was like I already gave a shot like just stick to your plans you know yada 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 and then everyone was like uh what were you nervous about and I was like oh if you only knew but that that was a pretty cool because it was so cool. unexpected That's yeah awesome. I think I stayed up till two or three in the morning that night and I watched my video a thousand <laughs> times over and I just couldn't go to sleep and I it was pretty exciting okay barrel racers the pros are that way too guys yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> they weren't on yeah. their phones they gotta get a new phone each year because of that <laughs> yes that's yes. awesome 
Well, tell us about, is there a favorite horse that sticks out in your mind since we're on favorites right now? That I've rode yeah, or would like to ride? that you've been on or that you've trained, whatever it may be. Oh, That's gosh. hard too, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I truly, a lot of people don't, they watch me ride top of the rock and they're like, Oh my God, you are so amazing. He's great. And then they'll literally finish the sentence with, I'd never want to ride him, you know, but uh, I actually had a dream last night that somebody offered me an insane amount of money and I took it. (laughs) And like all I did was ball and ball and ball. And I made my husband drive me over to their place and we, but we got him back and I could never sell him. And it was just horrifying, but um, I rode so many horses. I, I don't know. I really don't. I, I'm the, yeah, I'm the same as Blaine. I I really like a challenge. Uh, we can kind of talk about that in a minute if you want. But uh, he's a challenge. And so when I do win, it's so rewarding and it's so fun. And I don't have a lot of money. And kudos to the people that do, because if I did, I would totally buy all the great horses too. <laughs> but, I, but I don't. So I have to buy, just like Blaine said, I have to buy the Fixer Upper Project horse. Yeah and make it win and so I'm not gonna lie when I come across the line and I see my time sometimes my hand explodes with a fist pump but like oh my god it was so much work it's but well it was deserved. so worth it I mean, yes the yes. problems that you probably get in on one it's I can't imagine yeah that feeling yeah it's pretty neat but so yeah I don't know if I can just pick a favorite yeah yeah that's hard they're also special in their own individual way so what kind one of, thing I would go ahead. What kind of style do you like when you do go to pick one up? Is there anything that really attracts you that you can't resist? Um, I'm drawn to a turning horse because I'd always have said I'd prefer to kick than pull. Um, it's just kind of my thing. Um so that that's definitely something I'm drawn to. Bloodlines kind of comes and goes. Um Obviously, nobody likes a barrel crasher, so we kind of would like to stay away from that <laughs> if we can. But um, again, I'd still rather take a barrel crasher and try to fix it than I would one that wants to run off. It's just not my style, and I, I struggle with that. At least but, it wants to um, turn, I guess, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that, that just reminded me of another topic we can talk about here in a minute if you want. But um, so, yeah, something, something that really wants to turn, and, and we can figure out how how to get it around the barrels. So I have lots of little secret drills that I do for that kind of stuff. So Yeah, go for it. Go ahead. I, I'm going to pull up your Facebook questions <laughs> while you're talking because there was quite a few. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't even know where to go because now I just thought of a bunch of different things to talk about. <laughs> but ahead, um, so, some of the drills are hard, really, really hard to explain over the phone. So I won't probably try to do that. But um, I really enjoy like I said taking a horse that has the potential but just hasn't maybe been given the right chances um and so a lot of the horses that I've been on have been through multiple hands some great hands I don't mean it good bad or ugly but everybody really gets stuck I've watched the industry for decades I've learned from all these people but I feel like everybody kind of does the same things and um so I have to think way outside the box and I I mean, sometimes when I go exhibition, you should see the looks on people's faces when I get done. They're like, what are you doing? And I won't not tell them if they ask, I'll tell them. But like people literally look at me like I have four heads. But a lot of times my horses are 10 years old. And if I don't go fix it in town, I'm not going to get it fixed. So I do some really, really random stuff with them. And I do feel like 
the whole industry focuses on turning the barrel, turning the barrel. The, the barrel is always the center of attention. And that's the first thing I take out of the equation is the barrel. And that, that's really hard to explain over the phone. But like, I just try to get them to release off the barrel. And I don't mean running them to the fence. And I don't mean, you know, whooping them off the barrel or beating them off the barrel or anything. But I just do a lot of stuff. Um, the horses, when I get them, are so magnetized to the barrel that what I mean by that is like the closer you get to it, their feet start getting sticky and they start staring at it and they start pulling to it. And so I just do lots of things um, to get them where they're comfortable by the barrel and they're comfortable opening up and moving and and not being so magnetized to the barrel and allowing me to put them wherever I want. But that just... And like I said, I deal with older horses that have, have ran forever and all they know is to turn, you know, and even when I go to rodeos and I'll set the barrels before the rodeo that, you know, the night before and work them and stuff, I, I'm just getting my horses to be, um, just listen and wait for me to tell them where to go and how to work. And, and it just really, really makes them feel better to me. But, um, we get so stuck on trends or how, how someone's mm-hmm. doing something and we think we mm-hmm. got to do it that way. And um, the other night I'm riding with Blaine and I've been stuck on this kick where I feel like I have to have my horse like collected. I don't want him to follow mm-hmm. in the back. I feel like I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And he just looks at me and he goes, are you in pain? And I said, oh, my <laughs> neck hurts because I had a wreck the other day. And he goes, well, drop your hand. <laughs> yes. Just like some stuff like that. We just, we see that other yep. people are doing it or maybe we hear so-and-so mm-hmm. say that this is what they do. And then we think that's what we have to do to be great on this horse or be mm-hmm. better on this horse. I yep. get that. And you put out videos. I don't know when it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Horse World, right? News. I'm sorry. News. I'm so uh-huh. bad about that. Um, they're <laughs> one and the same to me for some reason. Yes. Me too. And I, I remember I watched the one and you were talking about take their shoulder away from them. And I don't do this the way other people do it. And mm-hmm. guess what, Ivy? I did that for months, not months, but I, just, yeah. I followed that and I just, it made so much sense. It was so clear to me and no one else has ever explained it or mm-hmm. at least put it out there that way. Yeah. And I think um, if you were to go to exhibitions today and, and Cassie Maury was there and Jolene was there and I was there. Well, Cassie and Jolene are generally working three and four year olds that I truly do feel like they still need to be training them to turn and turn correctly right. and do their footwork correctly. And then there's me on this 12 year old blowed up horse. And so like I'm trying to do everything you know so you can't compare apples to oranges and I think that's what happens when people sit in the stands and watch exhibitions is you know Cassie's doing everything amazing I I adore her training style and it looks so beautiful but you very suddenly ever see Cassie on a 12 year old horse that's been blown right up, she's you know? working so, with a clean slate usually. yeah very yeah. well so, clean slate <laughs> Yes. And she makes amazing products out of yeah. them. So, um, so that's the difference, but, uh, I do know that I make some people's head spins when they watch me go sometimes, but, but that's what um, and then and I appreciate, yeah. I appreciate your instruction and what you put out there for folks. It's really helped me. Yeah. And then I was thinking of this a minute ago, but like that, that kind of spun me into talking about bits a little bit. Um, for me, um, I'm really big on having a bit with a lot of feel. I don't want to pull and get no response. So I'm doing these tune-ups. I'm doing these fix-ups. And this horse has been rode in, let's say, a simplicity for a really long time. Simplicity is a great bit. I'm not bashing it. But sometimes this 11-year-old horse, you might as well put a shoestring in his mouth because you're getting nothing. And, and I find I, that a lot of barrel racers don't want to hang a bit in their mouth. They're just like, well, this is, this, this is working, you know. And um, so I want something when I pull, I get reaction and I get it now and um 
I don't by any means use different random bits than anybody else. I have the same arsenal as everyone, <laughs> but I'm, you know, I generally, if you get with me, you're going to see that I ride in a little bigger bits and a little, I want, I can always adjust my hands, but if they're running off and getting strong, I want to be able to fix it right here, right now. And I don't want that sensation of pulling and they're going faster. You know, I need to get response right now you know um so that's something i see a trend um a lot is people just are afraid uh or they'll put it in their mouth and say he doesn't like it well he doesn't like it because he hasn't been broke to learn how to use it most horses when they fight a bit it's because they don't understand the pressure of how it works and, and nobody ever taught them how to move up into a bridle you know so they they're scared of it because he shook his head or he doesn't like it and i'm not saying every horse can like every single bit because that's not possible but uh, and that's exciting I, I get tune-ups week after week and they drop him off and they're like oh he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that or you know well that's where i'm gonna start you know like if he doesn't like this bit then we're going to work through this and figure out a way to, where he can handle the pressure. And, uh, and that's, to me, it's fun because it's a super easy fix for me. Yeah. Um, and just teaching them how to move around into those bridles and stuff. So, um, but yeah, that's. Yeah. I've had some people make comments about my bits and I'm kind of, I was this one horse I had, it was the same boat. She wasn't bit it up. You know, she wasn't mm-hmm. tiered properly, whatever you want to say. So yeah, I can't ride her in the smooth snaffle and make her softer guy. Sorry, I need to get <laughs> right. a quarter bit or something and, and put a little bit more in her mouth and that's gonna get that softness eventually and you can yeah. go backwards. So just just different ways to do things and that's hard for people to understand, I mm-hmm. think. And that's that's why I'm so excited to do this and put more information out there because there's just a million different ways to do things and we need to be more educated about it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people when they get on and they run into a problem or their horse is fighting the bridle or something, they they have that mentality. Oh, he's mad. Well, that's where I dig in. That's <laughs> where I go further. That's where I push to the other side. This is the hot spot, you know. And that and that's where people back off and then they go find something else that he, you know, th- he wins the battle. I, I want to win the battle when it's all said and done. I'm the champion here, you know. Right. Like, um, so. I see that a lot, you know, and, and it's, that's where I will dig deep and go to the other side. And it's fun to help people with that kind of stuff because it's really easy for me. Are you, what's your theory? Do the, does the bit fit your hands or is it what fits the horse? Cause I know that's something that splits us. I think both, um, 100%. Um, we all have our favorites. Um, I ride in this L and W metal nose combo and my friends all call it the Ivy bit. And I laughed when, when all those bit reviews were going around a couple of weeks ago, it was in everyone's bit tutorial and every person called it the Ivy bit or somehow said something about it to me. And I'll be honest, I hate that bit at home. It is the, you can't tune crap in that bit. It, it has no flex, bend, feel, lift, whatever. I don't know, but it works for my hands in a run. And it's funny because I just seen Brittany Posey switched one of her horses to it the other month or so ago and has been winning everything. So I text her about it and she's like, oh my God, this has been life changing for me to run in. But again, it's a terrible feeling to just ride around. Yeah. Yeah. But it just, it just will quicken one up on the back and it'll just bring them through and it just works for me. But, um, yeah, I think it depends. Some people pull up, some people pull out, some people pull back. I think where you, where you pull has a lot to do with what kind of shank and bit will fit your hands. And is your horse around? Like, I'm not a huge, I can't believe I'm going to say this on recording. I I don't like, I haven't yet to find the Elliot bit that I like. I just, they don't fit me. I, 
they have no feel to me for me and i'm gonna go down in flames for saying this no but i'll like, throw i'll throw someone else under the bus with you blaine says the same thing about them i just i truly feel like they're developed for very and i again i just said i love attorney horse so again i'm contradicting myself but i just feel like they were developed for very dash to famey curly horses that want to you lift in the turn and i don't always curl and lift mine around like that so i've tried a couple of those bits and i've gotten on that strong horse and gotten fully fully taken advantage of and i just and i think it is it not adjusted everyone on facebook's raving about this bit why don't i like this bit you know is it adjusted wrong is it this is it that and i just i'm sure they're great and they're made outstanding but it just doesn't fit me and i I wish it did because i like the concepts of them but i can't get them to work for me very well so um, I swear the cheaper the bit, the better I get along sometimes, but, um, it just, I think again, whatever fits you and, and some people can run an O-ring and I have one horse that I run an O-ring, but because it was trained by a girl that trained it in an O-ring is the only reason why, but it, it does have a totally different feel for me. So that that's been adjusting for me, but yeah. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about equipment, is there any pieces of equipment that you just can't recommend enough of to, to folks that you any whatever therapies boots is there just something that you love so much you want to talk about it I think just everyone sounds says it's broken record just knowing your horse knowing when he looks good when he you know and just knowing hey this horse after three runs gets sore in his back and this particular product works good for him or this horse gets sore you know I think they're they're each individual creatures so I can't just say straight across the board um one thing versus another. I do love my PhD stuff. Um, I had a MagnaWave machine that I was using that I really liked. Um, just general good care and paying attention to all the little stuff. And I am not, if something's going a little wrong and I've made two bad runs in a row, yes, I'm going to wrap their legs and I'm going to put their PhD on and stuff, but I'm, I don't overdo it. You know, I think some people spend more time doing therapy than they do in the saddle. And so um, I'm going to spend more time in the saddle. If I'm not getting the results I want, next step will be the vet. Um, and if those two things didn't get me the results I want, we may go back to the round 10 and start <laughs> over, you know? <laughs> so um, I joke around with my vet, you know, I'm like, if you can't find something, can we check his brain? Cause like, I'd like to inject that too while I'm here, you know? Yeah. So, but I, I try to always give him the benefit of the doubt. And I, the younger me in my twenties and stuff has, <sighs> Fought, fought with some horses before only to find out they were really hawk sore and then you you just want to crawl in a hole and cry because you bitted them up all last week and they were telling you something was wrong so I will race to the vet in a heartbeat it's 40 bucks to get a lameness exam or whatever if nothing's wrong you go home and you stand on them but at least you can stand on them with pride and know you're doing your job and you're not hurting them yeah. you know um so that's that's a key thing that people and injections you know that, that that's a touchy topic and some people are all for it and some people are scared of it and again talk to your vet do your deal but they're life-changing for a horse and if you want to win and play the game and keep them going it's it's really beneficial and and you don't have to overkill it It just just keep them oiled up and ready to go and I mean it's this is a timed event and I mean it's fractioned down to the hair you know so so if they feel good and I mean, you know, they've had 40 nights of the NFR on TV and it's been kind of crazy to watch each year. The times are almost faster and faster. And it just goes to show you the bloodlines, the pedigrees, the vet work. Like, I mean, 10 years ago, if you ran a 13 and Thomas and Mac, you were God, you know, now if you run a 14, you like 
in the 3D, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's cool to see how far we've evolved. And uh, I finally learned I think... that lesson about the vet. Um, I actually just kind of going to throw my dirt out there, got in a little dispute with my fiance about to go to the vet. And I just told him if I can't pay to pay to take him to the vet, then I'm going to sell him because it's not worth it. No, yeah. because this is a, is my goal is to be competitive and it, and keep him as a performance horse as he's not a hobby right around the pasture thing so yeah I, I totally I learned that lesson this last couple of years and I wish I would have learned it a long time ago and it's not as crazy I mean I, obviously some people's vets are I've learned are way harder than mine but you know and, and this is going to come across snotty to say but you know the girl that's like I can't afford my injections or whatever well, I'm looking at her and she has fake nails and fake yeah. hair and fake fake tan you know if you just skip that for a, a month your horse and you you might win $5,000 next month at the barrel races because, you know, your horse feels yeah. good. So you've got to pick and choose. Um, you know, I like my nails when I get them done. I always try to take care of my hair. But when my horses come first, my nails are the first thing to go. You know, like th this can go another day and he needs shod. He needs this. And I try to cut out, you know, that kind of stuff. So it, it, it's definitely doable if you if you figure out a way so it's just really important for me yeah it's definitely a lesson that some people have to learn the hard way <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well yeah. let's answer a couple facebook questions real quick there's a couple that i'm gonna skip guys and uh i'm sorry don't send the link off but they're just not really questions to answer you know about but here's one that's real easy do you, do you have a favorite rodeo or arena at all i know you said reno's probably because it's so yeah i love Cheyenne personally have I won one dollar there <laughs> never so I don't know but I I, I kind of came to a conclusion the other day I've ran there I don't know how many times but I've never ran the same horse twice so I don't ever get to learn from it and then go back and be better from it I try another horse and I try another horse. and that is a very hard arena to conquer so I like the feeling when you're at Cheyenne and the concerts and the, the atmosphere. And I love that rodeo, but I can't wait to someday say I did good there. <laughs> well, but, hey, the love uh, must be real if you've never won there. And you just, you know, yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a fun time here. Houston, like I said, I did experience that once years ago and it's unlike anything else. Um, they, they all have their little special place. There's, there's some small rodeos. That's just part Colorado in the summer is the, in this mountainous area in Colorado and the committee is amazing and the food is amazing and the town is amazing and you just have to love those little ones and you know I, I like the the west out there where you can go whitewater rafting and the mountains and any it's just it's just fun they're all cool I mean yes and there's some that are not cool but we won't mention those <laughs> either but um I don't know. Rodeo's just, and, you, and now's definitely a time you realize how bad you miss it when you can't go to one. Do you kind of stop to smell the roses and do touristy things when you're out there every now and then when you can? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I've got a couple close friends and we try to figure out what we can do. And I'll be honest, I last year was staying in Colorado by myself at these people's place. And it was like six miles from the Royal Gorge. And I went up there and they were whitewater rafting down below. Mind you, I traveled by myself. I was there by myself. I marched my little happy butt into that deal and I booked me a whitewater rafting trip with like seven other strangers and I had the time of my life. It was so fun. And these people were from all over. I, and I'm not, I don't know. I don't care anymore. I used to be that girl that wouldn't do stuff. Who cares? Go live your life, go have fun. And I met seven random strangers and had the time of my life. So I don't care. I'll just go do whatever I want to do. And it's fun to hike and, and see the country and the, 
the restaurants that are something you'd never get anywhere else and it's fun that's it's cool. really fun that's cool yeah the older I get the more I realize who cares what yep. you want yep. if that's what you want to do go do it yeah all right that's a so great mentality because I know I don't want to keep you too long what's your best piece of advice this could be life advice what's just something you wish maybe someone might have kind of filled you in on or you would have understood a little bit better in your younger years Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, it can be horse advice. If you every, everybody always says, if you want it bad enough, go after it. There's so much truth to that. You know, I, I tried to rodeo in my 20s and my 30s, and I've been to these big rodeos before and, and left with my tail between my leg. And I remember sitting there, oh, there's Cherry Servi. Oh, there's this person. Oh, this, you know, and like, oh, we all, oh, I want to be them. You know, if you want to be them, go be them, you know? And so um, it's, it took me till I'm 40 to be where I am. And I never knew if I was going to get here, but I never stopped trying, you know, uh, and I'm still not done and it's been fun. So I, I think we hear that all the time. If you want it, go get it. I can't, I can't stress that it's possible. And, and it doesn't take my, of course it takes some money, but like I have, very little money. So it, I just have found ways to be resourceful and found, I, I use the word a lot hungry, stay hungry, go after it. Are you hungry? And, and I'll even tell myself that going down the alleyway when I need to win a check, be hungry, you know, get it, get the job done, you know? Um, so, so I think that's, that's really important. If you want it, you'll find ways you'll work at McDonald's. If you have to, to get the horse bought, you'll, I mean, I, I, I've cleaned porta potties in my life before y'all. So like, don't tell me I ain't been desperate. <laughs> so that probably the nastiest thing I ever did, but like I made good enough money to figure out what I needed to do to make the next step in my life. So there's nothing you can't, if you want it, you'll find a way you'll work 20 hour shifts somewhere. You don't, you don't care, you know? Um, it might so not that's, look like the next gal and what she's doing and how she's getting there. Don't compare yep. yourself. Yeah. And there's no time frame. I mean, who the heck was Haley Kinzel four years ago and boom, she wins Salt Lake city for $50,000 and takes off her career, you know, and obviously the American too, but like, where did this girl come from? And now she's the number one person in the world to everywhere, you know? So we don't know your next run could be that run if you're if you're if you're ready for it you know but you've got to keep chasing it and keep going and there's no timeline it may take you six months 60 years i don't know look at mary burger look at all these people you know i i get depressed because i feel like i'm getting older and i really wanted to make the nfr in my 30s and now i'm in my 40s and like but i look at these i, I still got 20 some years if these girls did it in their 60s i'm still going you know i got plenty of time so. You do. I can't wait to see you there. We know it's coming soon, Ivy. We'll have to do this again and, and give us updates from the road maybe when you got to- Yeah, that'd be fun. It's gonna be it's fun. gonna be awesome once all this stuff lifts and we all get back to normal, I think. Yeah, I'm ready. Past ready. <laughs> I I said the other day I drove like forty miles the other day to the vet or did something and I turned the radio up and had a little jam out session <laughs> and I was like, Oh my god, I miss driving. Like I could just drive for twenty hours right now just to, <laughs> just to drive. That's so stupid, but I I miss it. <laughs> that's you know, that's one thing I think if God dropped me the talent and the horse to go do what you guys do, I don't think I could do it because I'm just not a I'm not a driver. And everybody asks me how I go by myself and I just I truly I just like it. I do what I want, how I want, when I want. And sure, it's financially a little bit more and stuff, but it's just so peaceful. Yeah. 
you if you have a bad run, yeah, if you have a bad run, you deal with it yourself. Nobody's looking you in the face, like, and you figure it. You just you just deal with it. If you have a good run, all your friends are there. Go find them. Go do something. You know. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. That's cool. I didn't know you go alone. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very few can say that. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. I won't keep you too long, Ivy. I just thank you so much for doing Yeah, it was fun. For the people and for me. Um, We'll keep in touch and good luck to you. Thank you. This was great. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I want to say thank you to Ivy for the time that she took to come on and, and share the information that she did. I'm really having fun with this podcast, guys, and I hope that you're enjoying the content. If you know of anyone who's interested in coming on or if you yourself are interested in coming on, get a hold of me on Facebook and we'll get it together. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate all the support and I hope you have a great day.